Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode seven of Points and Penalties. My name is Josh, and with me are my co-hosts Jesse, Peter, and Kevin. Kevin, what are you drinking? I'm drinking Murphy's Law Fire Water with some ginger ale. Peter, what are you drinking? Kev, I'm drinking uh, Cameron's Brewing from Oakville, Ontario. It's called Captain's Log Lager, nice. the Golden Lager. Jesse, what are you drinking? Drinking Cowbell, the Boxing Brewing. It's an IPA, and it's uh, out in Blythe, Cowbell. Josh, what are you drinking? Tonight, I've got some Amsterdam Brewery. It's called Hazy Town Juice Bomb IPA. It's a little fruity so far, but it's nice. Strong beer, 5.7%. Not strong. Well, it says it's strong. It's still technically strong. I think it's above like five-ish. Yeah, compared to the rest of the stuff we've been drinking lately, though. Yeah. Well, I'm down at five again this week. So, wow. you know, taking it easy. 6.3 again, boys. <laughs> You're killing us, Jess. You're killing us. <laughs> Guaranteed, Jesse just goes around the LCBO just looking for the strongest beer. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Might yeah. as well. You guys been enjoying the weather? Been okay. <laughs> it's a bit brisky out here. It's all flatlands, man. Oh, it's sunny, though, which nice. It kind of makes you think about spring, right? Spring is around the corner. The Blue Jays are starting their first week of spring training this, this week, this past week. And they're doing pretty good. Four and two so far. Uh, obviously, you got to take everything with a grain of salt in spring training because one game good in, in spring training could be the same roster and it could be a shit game in the in the regular season. So how have you guys thought about the Jays? What have you seen so far? They're all right. I mean, from what I've been watching, I mean, Springer can do a little bit more. Done well, but could do better. That's what spring training is all about, though. Get all that uh, cobwebs and shit off. I, I still see him doing well because I'm still sticking to it, guys. They are going to win the World Series. I think everybody's only got like, you might have 10 at-bats right now. So it's, you know, although they've played six games, you're not getting that many at-bats. You know, everybody's getting in and out of the game to make sure they get to see everybody. So all these starters, for sure, you're not going to see as many at-bats as you'd like to see early. But but I feel like Springer's going to, he's going to be great. He's going to be our best best player we have this year, non-pitcher one pitcher and he very well could be the best best player that the, the Jays have including pitchers so yeah I haven't been following him too close because spring training I don't care all that much about but I think the questions still remain in the uh in the pitching department and whether this season is is a success or not is going to come down to pitching I think so I think the position players are going to do decent probably what we expect from them and the question marks are in the rotation yeah, and it seems that they might have a little bit more flexibility now in the outfield. We've, we've already been talking about how they have four potential starters for the outfield, and we now have an up-and-comer who likely will not make the team whatsoever this year in Josh Palacios. He has been lighting up spring training. He's something like five or six for 11, something in there. You know, He's hitting right around 500, maybe a little less, but he's been tearing it up. He had a an RBI double, an RBI triple, and a three-run home run in, in one of the games as of late. Uh, I believe it was against Baltimore. So he's staring it up. So this potentially at least gives the Jays flexibility in the future that maybe they can move a guy like Randall Grigic, who I had said before 
that he's going to be the odd man out and kind of be the fourth outfielder and DH a bunch. So maybe not necessarily for this year, but maybe next year and in future years, this uh, Josh Palacios could start pushing stuff and give a little bit of leeway to the Jays. And maybe they could trade a guy like Richick and pick up a number two starter, uh, which it gives them a lot of flexibility here because Palacios is turning out so far to, to be quite a standout, but we'll see. We'll see. It's all time, 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 time with these young kids, right? Yeah, speaking of young kids, I'm pretty excited about the Jordan uh, Groshans and Austin Martin, plus Nate Pearson, who's hoping to have a better year than last year a little bit. But he's still he's still super young, and but he he's supposed to be a pretty pretty good prospect. So I'm excited to see all three of those guys. Probably won't see the, those guys, uh, Jordan Gorshik and Austin Martin, till like maybe mid season or not even all this year. Yeah, Groshans. He's going to be good. Yeah, but you're right. You probably won't see him. Like, I mean, it depends on how the Jays do, right? If they shit the bed, you might see him later on this year. If they do what, what has kind of been projected, and as Kev says, win the World Series, then he's likely not going to be up. But he is looking like he's a pretty solid guy. Yeah. So now Pearson, we know, or you know, I mean, he's the number one prospect in the in the organization. I don't know if you can call him a prospect anymore because he's a full time. He's a rookie now. This is, he's, you know. yeah. Is he's, cons- he's still like, if you're a rookie, you're still considered a prospect that year. Right. So he's still on there, but so uh, he, yeah, he's going to be great. Now they just shut him down uh, with a groin strain, but they don't have any timetable for his return. I read, but obviously they're going to be patient with him and let it heal because a we're early and B we need this guy because he's, yeah. he's going to be very good. So they need to just, just calm their tits and let them, <laughs> let them get uh, healed up for sure. Hopefully we'll see him in the spring still so he can get another few innings under his belt, but I'd rather them be careful than, uh, than rush it and, and hurt this guy even more. So uh, Ryu felt pretty good in his first outing. He threw about 30 pitches in Friday's big win there where, uh, where Josh Palacios helped him out offensively. Uh, he's looking, you know, he's pretty well in midseason form already, which is great to see from our number one. And hopefully we can uh, help him out offensively. And then again, in the second game right behind him. And and hopefully we can get a pitcher that can get some solid, solid wins in behind him, no matter where it comes from, whether it's already a guy on the staff or potential moves. So where, where, where in the, um, the games where they start doing full innings, like I'm just asking you, like, they only like maybe one or two innings. That's why you're only getting 30 pitches, but somewhere in that spring training, do they not start doing like full game? Like longer innings? Uh, it'll happen. Like the most you'll probably see is maybe five, but they won't go more than that. Cause you got to get as many pitches as you can in spring training, get a look at everybody. Right. Cause there's even, even, right. I don't know if it's all the games, but some of the games are going just seven innings. Yeah. So, oh, okay. so they're just there. You gotta, you see two innings out of him, And if he doesn't, allow hits or runs or then you're just like why why continue yeah why for continue? sure yeah, carry but on. you gotta, you gotta get to build up that stamina too to go that distance once the season starts which would you will yeah. see it near the, right. the uh, end of spring training where they'll try to do a bit more yeah it's still early so i saw that um i guess they measured uh reuse fastball speed and apparently he's lost like a mile and a half per hour off of last year no, that's probably just because it's, you know, spring it's early in spring training. Right? Yeah, exactly. And it's, so I'm not worried about that, but no, there's something I saw. That- He's got enough command that even if he does drop a mile per hour, it's not going to affect him too much. He's pretty effective with his placements, but it is something to keep an eye on, I guess. Yeah, for sure. He, he is a little older, right? So yeah. Yeah. And that, 
that tends to happen when you get older. But we'll see by the end of spring training if he get he gains that extra tick back and yeah, and uh, hopefully he does. So I had said that Vlad was probably not going to play a whole lot of third base, and then they go and put him at third base on Thursday. Should have challenged. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So they put him on with Tanner Rourke pitching, who is primarily a fly ball pitcher, which makes sense. Don't put him in a lot of harm's way on with a ground ball pitcher. He ended up getting one ground ball made an easy play, but it was, you know, I mean, it was kind of good to see him over there because at least they're going to honor what they said and maybe, you know, give him a bit of a shot. They did say to uh, perfect first base kind of thing first, but. Well, there's weight loss, man. That gives him a little bit more of a jump. hundred percent, man. hundred percent. He's got way more. You would think he would have way more range. Right. Now's the, now's the time to do it. For right. Sure. Yep. Get on the reps now because Kevin is looking super comfortable over at third and he's likely going to lock that position up for the entire year. So except for these odd times that a, he needs a day off or, you know, if he's hurt, who knows, right. But well, yeah. like they said that they might platoon him too, right? Yeah, for he's sure. Left, Cause he's lefty. Yeah. But I think he's going to, he'll be in there for, Two thirds of the games, easy this year. Oh, for sure, like easy to probably like so. I, I I would say uh, three quarters probably yeah. more likely. A guy that the Jays were looking to potentially uh, sign is Jake Arderizzi, who just recently signed a two year contract with the cheating Astros. Sorry, the Houston Asterix. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just where we got our new superstar from. This guy is pretty decent pitcher. You know, he's not he's not an absolute superstar, but he's definitely a solid two or a solid three uh, in your rotation, depending on how high end your your rotation is. Yeah, I assume he would have popped in at the third spot in the Jays and would have sort of pushed everyone behind him down a spot, but we'll never know. A third spot for the Jays if they would have signed him. So who was your so. second? I think Pearson is still Pearson's gonna be two. number two, yeah. So yeah, he had he had a career year in uh, in 2019. Odorizzi did, and then spent most of last year injured. So like, this is a big year for him to kind of bounce back. And I think Houston's kind of taking a bit of a chance, especially you know you're paying him 50 15 million per year type thing average. So it's a bit of a bit of a risk, but if he stays healthy, then it, I think it's going to be worth it. So this would be his 15, right? I mean, you tell me. You probably got it up in front of you. <laughs> yeah, so it shows 15 of you, Milwaukee, Kansas City, Tampa Bay, Minnesota, and then uh, out to uh, the che- – oh, sorry, yeah, Houston, cheaters. Houston, I was doing some, some challenge fishing right there. Yeah, I did. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's going to be a great – I think he's going to get his form back. Last year, you kind of – there's a lot of things that went bad last year, and it's tough to take anything that actually happened very seriously because it was out of the ordinary – was a shortened season and everything like that so people's like the way they get into games and stuff like that was all different so i think he's probably gonna return to form like 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 you said 2019 he had a huge year 15 wins like he, he was a good player and I, I believe he'll get back up to that too yeah i think he only pitched like less than 15 innings last year so like literally he was injured the entire season <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so not much you can do there and and uh, yeah, like I said, I, I think he'll probably do well as well, especially in Houston. You know, yeah, you can throw the uh, stigmatism of the cheater and, and whatnot, but they've been a pretty solid franchise before those allegations. And how, how I mean, how long have they been cheating? We really don't know. But 
but they had good players there the whole time. Like these guys exactly. weren't, it wasn't like they weren't good. Was, exactly. Right. Yeah. I just don't understand why you have that talent and you need someone to do what they did to, to win. Or do they just seem good because they've been cheating? Well, we'll find out. We got, we got Springer on our team. So <laughs> we'll find out. So big signing other than Oda Rizzi was Jackie Bradley Jr. He's going from, from Boston to the Milwaukee Brewers, two-year, $24 million deal with an option. I think this is great for Milwaukee, although it is going to congest their outfield. Jackie Bradley Jr. is a very good ball player. He spent eight good years in Boston, won a World Series with him. I think he's a great player, and he's going to really shore up that, that outfield. But now they, the Brewers have four starting outfielders, and what do you do with them all? I don't know. Like it, you're right. Yeah, you you Christian Yelich there, and then you got Lorenzo Cain. And I heard that Lorenzo Cain might be playing uh, center instead of instead of Bradley. Oh, I would think Bradley would play playing right field. Yeah, and Cain's been the center fielder there for years since since uh, pretty sure since Yelich was there. Yelich might have come over and been, been center at the beginning, but Yelich is playing left field. So, well. I don't, I'm not sure how many years Lorenzo Cain has been there, but it, like he wasn't, it wasn't that long ago that he was with uh, KC. KC, too, right? yeah. So, yeah, like they got a on paper, it looks really good with like a couple couple gloves up there and everything like that. And um, 2018 NL MVP, like this uh, outfield should put up some numbers uh, offensively for sure, and they're not going to be slouches defensively. Well, yeah, they they had a bit of issues last year. I was reading, I couldn't remember, but it, it it wasn't as good as what we had anticipated and everything like that. But uh, they, that whole team with uh, Colton Wong now playing uh, second base, like nothing, there's not going to be a lot of errors, I don't think. Yeah, they've shored up for sure their uh, their defense with, with bringing on Colton Wong. It'll be another good team out there in, this, in, in uh, the Central. It'd be interesting because they don't have the the DH. So you've got these four outfielders. Uh, Azabel Garcia was the other guy. So what are they going to do with all these guys? You have you have Yellick and Bradley Jr. are lefties, and Lorenzo Kane and Garcia are righties. So depending on who's pitching, obviously you could put two out of lefties, two righties, depending. But and you do have flexibility out there with you know guys that can play different positions. But I wonder who's going to be the odd man out there. I mean, you, it's not going to be Jackie Bradley. They just signed the, the guy, like, <laughs> so he's going to play, and it's not going to be Yellick. Yellick is going to be is going to be play every day. So it's either Lorenzo Kane or Garcia. My, I guess you got to say Garcia is probably the least talented. I, I would suppose out of the four, or, or has the least the least amount of tenure. He's not as good as defensively as everyone else either, too. Right. Right. So he can. He's a, he he used to be a decent bat. Last year wasn't so well. So I don't know what you do with that. Like he might be like a pin coming a lot as a pinch hitter, maybe is what I could see. Mm-hmm. And then you just move Bradley over and days him. off and stuff like that. So basically yeah. the, the prototypical fourth outfielder, right? But also Bradley's gotten hurt a lot too, as of lately too. So isn't that they, that guy who got uh, freaked out and twisted his ACL in the bag because of an umpire? Just this, no, that's the same dude. Not sure, man. Here, carry on. If I knew what you're talking about, I might challenge you, but I have no idea what you're talking yeah, about. No. So. <laughs> no. Yeah, so 
the Brewers are, like you said, Jess, they're going to be much better defensively. Obviously, Bradley's going to help them offensively as well. Uh, they've made the Brewers have made the playoffs last three years, although they were sub 500 going into the playoffs last year. But I guess that's the expanded playoff situation. So uh, it'll be interesting to see where they end up and uh, on their their quest for a fourth straight playoff appearance. All right. Sounds good. So moving on to the NHL. And we're going to start off with some somber news. Walter Gretzky, the father of Wayne, has passed away at 82 years after a nine-year battle with Parkinson's. So the funeral was held yesterday in Brantford, yesterday being Saturday. We're recording this on Sunday. He was Canada's hockey dad. Unfortunate news for uh, for all the nation and all the hockey community. And I just want to share the best the best story that I saw. He was completely dedicated to hockey and his family, but the two sometimes cross paths. Uh, I read a story where he once left his extremely pregnant wife to take Wayne to a hockey tournament, and he basically told her that the baby could wait until he got back to uh, to be born, and the baby did not. So baby Brent was born, uh, born before they got back, but they won the trophy, so he said it was all worth it. <laughs> So what do you what are you guys what are you guys thoughts on uh, on the passing of Walter? Uh, just by watching today on uh, TV, it might have hit my heartstrings. I mean, to see all these kids tapping their sticks. I mean, the guy's done wonders for his community out there, not just this kid, uh, the kids. I mean, still building that possibly that rink in the backyard. I mean, showing them in, in, inside the basement and all the paraphernalia. I mean, awesome. I I think they should put his basement in the hockey hall of fame or just leave that house as a memorial. So people can just go in and see it. Heritage site. Right. That'd be cool. Actually. Like, I mean, I heard the talk about um, possibly or suggesting that they do that for the hall of fame, but I think you just leave that house where it is and, and you make that like a, a for site. sure. That'd be a big tourism attraction for Brantford. Right? So, well, yeah, there's not much else there. Right. It's Wayne Gretzky parkway and any fans we got there. And that's about it. I was, you know, saddened to hear the news. Uh, I was watching Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday when when news broke, I believe, in the second intermission. Uh, you know, like I said, really sad. But everybody always had a good story to tell. I never met Walter, but I know a few people that have. And the time that Walter would spend just chatting with kids when they were meeting him, shaking their hands and just just chatting away, you know, maybe give them a little piece of advice that they never knew they actually got, but Walter said something and it, you know, really hits home or, or what have you. And prototypical, like not a prototypical, he is the hot Canada's hockey dad. He's not even Canada's hockey dad. He's the world's hockey dad because every hockey dad strives to be as much like Walter as they can be. Obviously, you know, other commitments can get in the way where Walter was 100% geared towards hockey and Wayne and you got to assume Gretzky's got some talent, but you got to assume that some of that was the teaching of his dad and, and being there and, and doing what, what Walter did. Like you say, Kev, the tapping of the sticks as his uh, funeral procession was, was driving down the, the road in, in Brantford, which is only 30 minutes from here. So it was really nice to see really touching. And even in this neighborhood, I saw a few hockey sticks out on the porch, uh, just like the humble Broncos uh, thing there just kind of saluting Walter and his contributions to hockey and his, I mean, he gave us the greatest hockey player of all time. So of course this guy is going to have a huge following and it's, as you said, Kev, it's going to pull at your heartstrings. Yeah. It's 
it's a sad day. And uh, like Josh said, I only saw and heard stories about how he would just talk to everybody and be was super nice and never pushed anyone away. Like he was famed. Like he, he was a very popular guy, um, especially at the Leaf Gardens and stuff like that. Um, so that's sad. And uh, we're going to miss him. Yeah, thanks, guys. It's on to better news, maybe. The Leafs uh, update for the week. So they started out the week extremely hot, beating the Edmonton Oilers in three straight games, two of them shutouts, uh, and they played three different goalies, actually. They played Campbell Hutchinson and Freddie Anderson, and ironically enough, Freddie was the only one that didn't post a shutout. But they took care of the Oilers handily. That is all feeling real good. Then... They went into Vancouver and a couple games against Vancouver, one on Saturday night and one on, uh, I think, Thursday night. And they lost both. I'm not too worried. They played well in both games after Demko shut the door on them both times. So, you know, losses happen. It's the NHL. You're not going to win all the games in the year. And uh, they lost these two, unfortunately. I'm not too worried. Big series coming up against Winnipeg, who is now the second-place team in the division. We'll see how that series turns out. That's a three-gamer, I think. Any news on Simmons when this guy's back? Nothing I've heard lately. I'm not sure what his time frame is, but it certainly would be nice because it it seems to me that a lot of teams, they seem to have a plan of, uh, I guess their pre-scout tells them that the best way to play the Leafs is to play them physically to hopefully get them off yeah. their, their skill game. We need them back for that, man. We need them back just not just uh, to be physical, but... Yeah, you know, and you cause cause penalties. You see some guys other teams. starting yeah. to take some liberties. Rutanen clipped Austin Matthews um, as he was getting to the bench last night's game, which you saw know, that you never want players taking liberties on your superstars. And it seems like they're yeah not held in check right now with with Simmons out of the lineup. So it'll be nice to get him back, but I'm not sure when that's going to happen. Hopefully sooner than later. So your boy uh, Austin Matthews. Yes, yeah, his fifty is not looking so. <laughs> Yeah, five straight games, let a goal. He's still leading the NHL, which is pretty good, and he's he's missed a couple no, of games. Is it the NHL? I'm going to challenge that. He's not leading the NHL. He's leading the Northern Division. Leading the NHL for show. Yeah. Boom. All right. Well, I'm challenging it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he's leading both still. And... I think he's just winning the, the, yeah, the North. Yeah, closest person is Tyler uh, Tufel. At, at Foley, yeah. Isn't that all still out of the north though? Or is he that's right, he's in LA. No, he's in he's in Montreal, but it just Okay. It's well that's what I'm saying. It's, the, it's just no, it's, it's the still league. NHL. It's the league though. They're just <laughs> the top two are just in the north. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Minus one, Kev. Good job, bud. So yeah, like just just that, that 50 goals is not looking so hot right now. So hey, you just wait, man. You just wait. He's gonna come back, he's gonna light a fire, and he's gonna score. Oh, I don't know. Let's say over his next seven games, oh, he's here comes another score twelve goals Holy over the next seven games. Yeah, all right. Gonna light the league on fire. Yep, be pretty impressive, but yeah. I just don't see it. It is looking pretty, <laughs> pretty difficult. Uh, it was a stretch when I made the the hot take, made the comment, but you guys were all taking the safe route. So I think Kevin Kevin said that. I think Kevin agreed with you. No, no, no. It was just Josh. No. Yeah, oh. it was just me. I, w- I would say the rest of us took maybe the smart route, not the safe route. <laughs> just the more realistic. It's one of the same. One of the same. Yeah. So on the topic of setting the league on fire and flames, 
the Calgary Flames have hired a new head coach who happens to be an old head coach. <laughs> Daryl Sutter is uh, is back as the Flames head coach. Um, he coached them from 2002 to 2006, took them to the Stanley Cup final in 2004 against Tampa, where they lost in Game 7, where some Flame fans, if you ask them today, still think that they won it in Game 6, where uh, Martin Jonas puck crossed the goal line but didn't cross the goal line, and it was ruled a no goal. I'm not sure where... Uh, where we all stand on that, but anyway, it doesn't matter. They didn't win. Tampa Bay beat them, and he stayed. So he stayed with Calgary, but in the in a GM role until 2010. He moved on to LA as a head coach. Uh, he won two Stanley Cups in LA, and he left. He left LA in 2017, and now he's back in Calgary to uh, try and bring them back to uh, prominence. They're sitting out of a playoff spot right now. Although they are above 500, and we'll see if, if he can make it in today's game because the game has certainly changed from when he uh, had his success. He's known as sort of a big, heavy team, grinded out in the corners kind of style of play, you know, own the puck, have possession, big bodies, and that's... Now, didn't he say that he was only going to take this if he signed a three-year contract? Isn't that what he signed, three years? He did sign for He three definitely years. signed three, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So he's not a he's not an interim coach or anything. He is the head coach for the next three years at least, unless he gets fired. I kind of like the old school. I mean, you got to bring back that that grit. You got to teach these young kids. You got to get into those corners, and you know, I, I like I like it. I like that he's going to be there. He definitely can help them. I'm not so sure it's going to work in today's game, though. The game has definitely turned to a more skilled speed game and you can still do all that and be that greedy person but do they have the players to do that right now is a team built for this speed skill and then now you're going to potentially try and bring in the bangers you already have bangers there a little guy like um johnny goudreau like what is he going to do from a banging standpoint right he's going to bang pucks in the net because he's good that way but he's not throwing hits you know, I mean, he's not even he's not going to be like darcy tucker was Dar- darcy tucker was a small guy now he could throw his weight around but Kadri's a small guy and he throws his weight around. Look what he did to Chara a lot of times. Like they, these little guys. He's like getting... a little fly that, that hit Chara. He's like, get <laughs> yeah. off me. Get off me. <laughs> but uh, I'm just stating, I mean, they, they, I don't know. The Ice T Calgary getting into more of a gritter grind team. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to play to hurt and they're going to play to win. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. Cause like Josh says, they're some of their players are not really built for that. So they're, I think part of the problem in Calgary is they're sort of in between two molds where they got, mm-hmm. they've got guys uh, like Kachuk and uh, whoever else, Sam Bennett's kind of like this, where they're sort of Lucic. Yeah, Lucic, where they're gritty kind of players, but then they've got skilled guys as well that are not playing the same style. And it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. You might see some, some player movement out of Calgary to try and, mm-hmm. to try and uh, sort of tweak the team to the Sutter style of game. So I think overall it's going to be a good thing having Sutter in there. Maybe it'll teach some of these young, smaller kids how to throw their weight around in the corners and play that gritty grinder game. But who knows? It might might backfire on them. It's left to be said. We will see. No matter what, it's a change. Uh, Peter, I think I agree with you. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a little bit of personnel change in the next you know month or two here. Who goes first? Chuck? Oh, it'll be good. Well, no, because it'll he, be like he's a player that – yeah, exactly. Okay. Kachuk is gonna he's gonna thrive in this. So oh, Sutter, yeah. Well, 
I don't think you're going to get rid of Goudreau. He's too good to get rid of. But I mean, Theo Theo Fleury, right? Like there's another guy that was super small in Calgary. I don't think you get rid of him, but you might have to learn how to throw that 130 pounds soaking wet around. <laughs> well, all I know is that the uh, the second year he was in Calgary, the first time they made the Stanley Cup Finals, and the second year he was in LA, they won the Stanley Cup. So uh, look out for Calgary next year. That's all I can say. So last point on the uh, NHL, uh, Chris Johnson reported on Saturday or on Hockey Night in Canada last night that some players have begun to get vaccinations in the U.S. And I don't think it's a matter of them being NHL players. It just happens that in wherever they live, they're that well ahead with the vaccine program that they've started to get on the list. So I just wanted to mention that because my hot take from uh, episode four was that pro athletes would be vaccinated two months from that point, which is April 14th. Still about five or six weeks away, but uh, I think it's on track, boys. That's the one that uh, is the one shot, right? This one's not the one that you have to get two. So I heard there's like a one vaccination that you just get one shot and then yeah. you're somewhat golden. The Johnson & Johnson one is just the one shot. I don't know which one they're, they're getting. We don't know that. On the subject of COVID and vaccinations, we got some uh, real hot news that a few of the players are going to be missing the All-Star game in the NBA in Atlanta. Embiid and Simmons look like they're not going to play tonight in the All-Star game because of uh, contact racing. So what are they going to do? Do do they find anybody to replace just to get them there? Or are they just going to play with what you have off the bench? I think you just push somebody up that was a reserve into the starting spot for Embiid, and then they just roll with the two guys short. I mean, they could fly people in, but it's pretty short notice now. It's uh, The game is on in a few hours, so... It'll be pretty tough to get them into uh, into Atlanta. Yeah, but I think they were they were getting their hair cut. I think is what it was. It was a, a barber, the contract tracing with a hair barber. So I don't know whether that barber was a team barber or whether it was just a shop in Philly or wherever they were. But well, that's the first uh, sort of good reason, I guess, why I can't get my hair cut in Toronto since November. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I just do my own. I guess the rule makes sense. He's got to shave it down to the wood, man. Just go. Not, not quite yet. No. This was the whole thing about uh, why the players didn't want to do uh, the All-Star, the All-Star yeah. game. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, more chance of exposure, right? And it's a one thing this year. It's not like uh, where you got two, there two or three days. This is all being done at, um, I mean, three points. Three point things going to be done before the game. Game's going to be played and I think halftime. Is where you're gonna have a slam dunk competition and such. Yep. So yeah, trying to condense it just to keep uh, the exposure down. It's uh, disappointing that uh, MVP caliber, in my opinion, MVP leading player in Embiid is going to be missing the All Star game. But I mean, it, obviously, you gotta do, you gotta do. There's you know, COVID rules are COVID rules. So, but it just kind of sucks that he won't be around. And it'd be interesting if they do fly somebody in though. You know, maybe maybe a guy like Fred Van Vliet who was was snubbed might get the nod, although he's in COVID protocol too, so he wouldn't be able to go. But it would be cool to see him, you know, make the team after a couple guys get balanced, but he wouldn't he wouldn't get named because he's on the COVID list. So, you know, hey himself, still Nick Nurse, still Pascal Siakam. We have Patrick McCaw, uh, Malachi Flynn, and OG Ananobi are all still out for the wraps. Not necessarily with COVID, but on COVID protocol, close contact, whatever. So we had reported pretty much right when we came on last week when we recorded that Monday's game versus the Bulls was postponed. Turns out then Tuesday's game versus the Pistons was delayed. 
they ended up playing on Wednesday. They lost to the Pistons. Not good. Then they played Boston on Thursday, lost again. Much tougher game. It's Boston, their better team. But So the, the Raps next game, because of the All-Star break, is March 11th, which is, I believe, Thursday of this week. So it gives time for our guys to hopefully get back. Basically, March 11th, you're going to see, at that point, you have Siakam, Nick Nurse, and majority of that coaching staff will have been in quarantine for 13 days or so. So they might miss that game, but then would hopefully be back for the game after the 11th, or probably on the 13th. So that's good. Obviously, they have to come up with a negative test in order to do that. It'd be nice to see those guys back. But Fred Van Vliet, OG, McCall, and Flynn are only, as of the 11th, will only have been in quarantine for nine days. So there's still going to be another week for them before they'll be back. So probably another two to three games that they'll miss. So they had a positive test? I don't think that there's any positive tests from players. There may have been from a, a coach, but I haven't really heard if somebody 100% has tested I, positive. I haven't so. seen any, anything either. And it's been yeah. weird. Like you usually hear like, oh, so-and-so had negative tests or something like that. So they just- Well, look at Embiid. We, we already heard that Buddy is, was positive and they got to be out, but we haven't heard for, in the Raptors system who, or, you know, they, they said that it's believed to have been caused by coaches not wearing masks properly, oh. but- but does that, you know, does that mean that one guy had it or does it mean that multiple had it? And then, you know, I mean, I obviously at one point it was one and then multiple, but yeah. So it'll be just be interesting to see after the all-star break, kind of a good time, I guess, if it has to happen, it might as well happen over the all-star game, uh, all-star break. So we miss less games, but just kind of a shitty situation. Hopefully everybody can get back healthy and get playing again, really, really soon. Like, really soon yeah i i'm i'm hopeful that a lot of them will be back for the thursday game you're talking about because i think the rule that kept a bunch of the players out and probably the coaches too is that if if you are close contact with someone who tests is positive you have to quarantine for seven days regardless if you're positive or not well i guess if you're positive is different but if you te- you're testing negative but you had a close contact with the positive you're out seven days so i'm i'm assuming that that's what kept some of these players and coaches out of the couple of games they missed. And it'll be more than seven games by next Thursday, or seven days, I should say. So I'm hoping we'll see a good chunk of them back. Unless there's more actual positive cases going through the, the group. Right. And again, we haven't heard that. We don't know who's positive. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know. It's, it's weird. Well, let's just say when they come back though, eh, that they actually uh, become a contender. Well, I mean, we hope the, the question will be is if, if these players had COVID or have it currently, will they be able to, once they are uh, recovered, will they be able to get back up to NBA playing standards quickly enough? They got a guy like Jason Tatum who had COVID earlier in the year and he said he's still recovering, getting back. He still doesn't have his full breath type thing. So it'll be interesting if these guys came down with COVID, how they can snap back and how quickly they can come back. Hopefully it was just close contact and nobody has it from hopefully nobody has a period, but hopefully not a player, you know, more so over a coach, I guess, just for, for a Raptor and their, the winning standpoint. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, if they, if anyone does have it, hopefully they fully recover quickly. Cause yeah, like, like you say, the Jason Tatum thing, like, this can hit different people in all kinds of different ways. Like these guys are young athletes. They're probably less susceptible to serious effects than most, but it's still certainly possible. Well, they're yeah, definitely for sure. Because like, even in, uh, 
baseball last year, Edward Rodriguez got COVID and he had a, a heart issue because he he'd got COVID and he was going to play. And then like halfway through the season last year, he was like, I can't do it until I recover. He, he, apparently he couldn't even like walk without having to sit down and re- and have to catch his breath. So yeah. Like, and it was, affects everybody differently too, right? Exactly. So, so if you have, if you have different health issues and stuff like that, then this, this hurts you a lot more, whether you're young or old kind of thing like that. Right. So Tatum may have had a bit of issues. It didn't really show against the Raptors at least did pretty good there, but um, yeah, obviously I believe him when he says he's still struggling, but I, I haven't read anything like what the, like what it's exactly attacking on him because like I said, I Rodriguez was a, um, was his heart and usually attacks the, the lungs and everything like that. Yeah. Interesting how it seems every week we're talking about one sport or another that's having some massive COVID issues. You know, we were chirping the NHL with the with capitals and uh, I think there was another team at the same time. Oh, and there is like a lot of them. They had Buffalo, New Jersey. I mean, like too many teams. It just sucks that it sucks that we have to talk about this every week, you know, it'd be nice to abolish talking about sports and COVID, but obviously to do that, we have to abolish COVID. So. Yep. We'll get there. Just not yet. So last week, sorry, Jess, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that the one thing that that's not affecting being affected by COVID is the NFL. And with being so JJ Watt, as we all were discussing for the last like two weeks, it seems like signed out of nowhere, Arizona Cardinals, 31 million for two years. 23 of it guaranteed. So he went where he was going to get paid. He went to probably the toughest division in in the NFL. What makes me laugh? The guy said he wanted to go to a contender. I don't think, I don't think Arizona is a contender, not even in two years. I completely agree with you because the NFC West is really difficult. And unless like if Garoppolo starts for San Fran, I could see, uh, and Russell Wilson stays in Seattle. I can I can see them finishing last again in, in that division. But like it all depends on if Garoppolo starts because that team is really, really good when he starts. I don't think he's that good of a quarterback. I don't think Murray's a good of a quarterback either. <laughs> I disagree completely. I think he's a great quarterback. I think he's the only thing that's keeping that team up. I, I think Cliff Kingsbury is starting to show his true colors as a head coach and why he got fired from Texas AM. Like he's it's pretty much Murray running around like crazy. And, and making plays. But with J.J. Watt there now and with uh, Chandler Jones coming back, he should be uh, – that defense should look pretty pretty good, but they're both on the older side. They're just both going to make each other look good. For sure they will. you got to double-team at least one of them, right? Maybe not every play, but going to make uh, opposing offenses life tough from an offensive line standpoint, but – yeah, it was an interesting signing. Like you said, we all thought he was going to contender. Just last week, you asked us if we thought there was any uh, any chance he was going to any other team other than the four we had talked about, which I believe was the Bills, uh, Green Bay, Titans, the Pittsburgh. Titans, Pittsburgh, and, yeah. and Pittsburgh. So we all said, nope, there's no chance that he was going to one of those teams, and we were clearly wrong. That was a quick hot take that we can put that we were wrong on. So interesting. Uh, obviously, DeAndre Hopkins must have must have said some pretty nice stuff about Arizona and about the team to help convince him. Kind of interesting to see what 
what Watson is thinking about now. We got these two guys are joining up in Arizona and he's left screwed in Houston. So that was kind of funny when I, I saw there was a little meme about that. That was pretty funny, but it's an interesting signing. Like we said, because we thought he was going to go to, to a contender. We know that he's going to make that defense oh, way better. It didn't matter where he went. He was going to make that defense team better. Right. But with a, you know, if they have a young offense, will they be able to put something together? And Jess, I agree. I don't, I don't know if they can even get out of the division. Difficult division. It's a very difficult division, you know, unless, unless I get my boy Russ to, to leave <laughs> Seattle and come to the bears, they're going to be obviously a tough team to beat. And I actually heard Garoppolo might venture back to new England. I've heard there's talks about that, but if the Niners do keep them, as you said, Jess, they're going to be tough to beat too. They have a, a pretty damn good defense already. So they're right. going to be tough. So yeah, I could see Arizona, like you said, just finishing fourth in division and not even getting a sniff of the playoffs. So do you think he just went for the money? Definitely. It's a tough year because the salary cap is going down for the first time. And I, I can't even remember the last time it went down and he probably saw like, so 15 and a half million. Like he was like, yeah, sign me up kind of thing like that. Like that's not elite money but that's pretty freaking good money for a defensive end. Is that the reasons why they uh, Roethlisberger structure? Did they did all that just so they can free up because of this cap? Exactly. They had to. He was going to be from 19 million to 14 million now. That's quite the restructure and everything like that. Does anyone know like how many years he was still continued on? Because I, I couldn't find it. It's just this year. This is his last season. This is his last season. Yeah. They just spread the payments out over 2022. Yeah. So he's basically getting a paycheck for two years for this one part of the contract, but it's spread out. So instead of getting hundred thousand a game, he's getting 30,000 a game type thing. Obviously those numbers are just arbitrary, but yeah, like we all, we all agreed that that was going to happen. Like or it had I, to happen. It had to happen yeah. for sure. And he's their best option at quarterback. Mason Rudolph is half decent, but he's not a, he's not even a, last season ditch effort from Roethlisberger good so you know I think you gotta you had to roll with them unless they were gonna make a huge splash which they had no cap room to do he's the guy you had to bring back at quarterback yeah when I when I saw he left five million dollars on the table I said to myself holy shit that's a lot of money and then I looked at his career earnings from Pittsburgh and it's like 250 million dollars or something then I said oh okay (laughs) (laughs) that's that's not so bad yeah, so it ended up freeing up like $15 million in cap space for the Steelers this year. So I think that is really going to help them bring some other guys in, maybe re-sign a Juju or or another wide receiver, although they are stacked at wide receiver, so they could uh, just opt to roll with what they've got. They, these guys can find receivers anywhere in the draft. I, I don't think they'll re-sign Juju. Like, I think he wants to come back, but... Where, where would he go then? <laughs> Should probably want to get paid. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll take I'll take him, re-sign uh, Robinson, <laughs> and then sign Russ. I'll take that as my as an offense. I know that's not going to happen, but I wouldn't mind him in Atlanta. Juju, you already you're already stacked. Atlanta's already but stacked. Yeah, with but I mean, yeah, I mean you can <laughs> train him. You know, bring him up, get uh, Julio into him. He's pretty trained, bud. He's been in the yeah. league for four years. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you have to worry about Atlanta bringing on Juju at this point. Not with Ridley and, and Julio, and they have Christian. Was it Christian Kirk? No, that's uh, that's Arizona. You, you said Ridley? Gage. Gage. Oh. Gage. There's a Gage guy in Atlanta. So I don't think they're going to be looking at Juju at all. They need a quarterback before they need a wide receiver. 
I still think Ryan, he put up some pretty good numbers again. I, I think he's fine there. I think they might draft one this year. They likely will because his contract is up this year. So I could see them, uh, Matt Ryan's is. So I could see them either going year to year with him or drafting this guy, hoping he's decent and rolling with him next year, not next year, the, the following year in the 2022. But what do I know? I'm not a, I'm not a Falcons fan. Good thing, too. Nothing. Nothing from Kev. <laughs> no, nothing. I was waiting. I was waiting. Have you guys heard about this potential or proposed rule change, uh, overtime rule change, that is, from the Baltimore Ravens? The spot and choose. The spot and choose. It's interesting. It, it would bring a completely different dynamic to the game. So my understanding is... As you said, Peter, it's called spot and choose. So one team spots the ball. So they choose where the drive will start. And then the other team chooses whether they want to play offense or defense. So for instance, KC versus Tampa, KC decides that they want to have the drive start at the five-yard line. So now Tampa can choose whether they want to take the ball at offense on the five-yard line and do what they can to score. Or do you put Mahomes and their offense on at the five-yard line and make them drive 95 yards for the score? So there's a little bit of a strategy to go there. And it'll just be interesting to see how this goes, how this that plays out uh, with the league, because obviously it's not going to happen right away. It needs to get approved. And so it'll just be interesting how the owners view this, uh, you know, in the next set of meetings. Try it out in preseason. Well, obviously that's what they would do, but I don't, it will, it definitely wouldn't happen this year. There's too much paperwork and whatnot, in my opinion, that I don't think that they would change things for this coming year, even to try it, but it, it's interesting. So they, they haven't decided whether they would then uh, have the overtime period finish with a sudden death it, with that same scenario or play like a seven and a half minute uh, quarter and whoever's winning at the end would win the game, just like a standard overtime uh non-golden goal type situation so i think it'll be i think it'll be very fun that way and you'd you'd get a lot of different views from the coaches and the players and it'd be it would definitely be different do you trust your defense to hold patrick mahomes to less than 95 yards or do you trust tom brady to score a five-yard touchdown yeah or if you're the team choosing if the other team puts it on the five do you go defense Right. You go, you know, that's a long way to drive. I'm going to start on defense. Uh-huh. Might even get a safety out of it. You never know. They're right in their end zone. And if I stop them in three, then I get the ball back to like midfield probably if it's a punt. It's it's interesting. Yeah. And at the five yard, I mean, it doesn't have to be at the five. Obviously, the team chooses where they want the ball. They could choose that they want to put it at the 20 yard line or wherever. It would be very cool to see that in a even in just a preseason game to see how it actually worked out and to see what the coaches would choose to do. Yeah. It's like if, if you've got an elite defense and shit offense, you probably want to pick like the 50 so that they'll pick to go on offense from the 50. You count on your elite defense to stop them and then hopefully not have too far to go for Get a your offense. Field, yeah. Or maybe not. Maybe it still makes sense to go short. Of, I don't know. It takes a lot of strategy. For sure. <laughs> the analytics would be crazy around yeah. that. There would be so many numbers coming out at us like, oh, there's an 88% chance of this. And <laughs> yeah. it would be pretty wild. Maybe the one yard line's always best. Just pick the one. As long as you're not Pete Carroll and throw the ball. <laughs> <laughs> or you got the beast sitting there just waiting for it. 
what they're saying is like really rather confusing. I think they're trying to go away from what the like NCAA has done or uh, CFL has done in the past because they've done they that's where you usually like practice like rule changes before it comes to the NFL. And I think the NFL is just trying to do something completely different because this is really kind of unseen for the most part, what they're trying to do right now. Yeah, I think they're trying to spice up overtime a little bit. And I don't yeah, like right. the way overtime is right now. I don't think you should win right away. It shouldn't be sudden well, death with a touchdown. I, that's, I think everybody should get exactly. a chance. Think of like uh, 2018 in the playoffs. Patrick Mahomes comes, comes roaring back in the fourth quarter to tie it up against Brady. And he doesn't get to touch the ball in overtime because he's got a crappy defense mm. and everything like that. Like it, you, you just took out how dramatic something could have been like, yeah, Tom Brady's great. He did what he was supposed to do and didn't let him touch the ball. You knew like if he, Patrick Mahomes had the ball, he probably would have scored again. Yeah. You just took one of the hottest players out of the game. They need to do something. I think just to change up the overtime. And I hate ties. Ties are the dumbest thing. No, you can't have ties. It cannot be a tie. Even if you do something like this and then at the end of the overtime period, if it's tied still, then maybe you go to, is it, is it college where they sit at like the 20 and they just start firing balls into the end zone? Yeah. Pretty much. Like yeah it's red zone. Yeah. So like, you, yeah, I believe you have, you can get a first down. It's still, it's still 10 yards. And then uh, they just switch back and forth. And it's kind of like, it's kind of like a shootout in hockey and everything like that. Yeah. That's so I could cool. see that after you run, like after you do a, an overtime period of said said length, then come into uh, come into a shootout style shootout style thing, yeah. and that would be pretty exciting. I mean, a shootout style football shootout would be pretty pretty exciting. I think four plays from the twenty to score, you know, I guess like you still get yeah, no, I, I, first I, down, I, and like that's yeah. the thing is you, like if you don't if you reach fourth down, you can kick a field goal, right, and then the next guys get the turn if they score a touchdown, mm-hmm. it's over. Right. So it's, it's, then it's uh, over. Yeah. And that's, I've fine. actually liked it for a while. And I thought the way that they did overtime was silly and it could, it could be a lot better. Yeah. Why don't you guys want ties? Just cause it's like kissing your sister. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, it's, it's, it is boring as heck. Like there's been ties like in the last yeah. six years, almost, almost every year there's been a tie. Like it's, it's, and it's just, I don't know. It's annoying. Yeah. It screws with the playoffs too. Screws with all the seating, and some people it's dumb. And some yeah, people play for the sucks. tie too, which is the dumbest thing too. So, like, uh, was it this year? I forget the team that did it, but uh, they had a chance to kick like a huge field goal with like time running out, and they punted. I think it was the I think it was the Eagles. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was like, and I think it was like a sixty yarder, so it was a long field goal. But it, it would just leave. I think it left just like enough time on the board to the guy could throw a, the other team could throw a hail Mary kind of thing like that. I'll throw it into the other stuff we have going on, Kev. All right. Right now, uh, the Arnold Palmer invitational. Now we're just talking again. This is, uh, happened on Saturday because the final round is going on right now. I'm not sure if you guys saw Bryson DeChambeau's at the par five, sixth hole, instead of going, um, where, where majority of the, the golfers go, he decides to go over the whole entire lake Creek, whatever. Nailed the ball 370 yards. I believe he. they said that he's the second person to have ever done it at this Invitational. I mean, this, if you've never seen De, uh, DeChambeau, this guy's bulked up. He's gained uh, some big old massive muscle and just destroys the ball. Grip it, rip it, bud. It's just, it was, it was pretty decent. Do you know who the other person was? I have no idea. 
No, I just know that they stated there was uh, one other person that did it. Don't know name or mm. what year, but impressive. Very impressive. He, he tried to do it on the, the second round. I don't know if he fared well by doing it, but um, the third round, the wins were in his favor. So did it work for him though? Like obviously he got oh. over, but did he get an eagle? I, I believe like... he got a birdie out of that. I don't think he got an See, eagle. You can go. See, you don't need to do do that to get a birdie on a par five. Like, these guys are pros; they just go around and they. So, I get it. It's great to take the risk, and it's crazy to to see him drive 370 yards. But is the risk? I mean, if he throws an eagle in the hole, then it's definitely it's worth, worth the risk. It. I mean, if it's say if it's like final round, and you know you need the you need this, you need to get that eagle. Yeah. I guess. Fair I enough. guess he was just testing Fair the waters. Enough. I'd love to see if he tries it again today. That'd be something. Maybe he could have got the eagle. I didn't see his round, but maybe he could have got yeah, it. Yeah, he just blew it or whatever. Just yeah, who knows? It could have been a short putt if he missed or something. It'd, it'd, yeah, it'd be knows. like us, man, when we hit that nice drive and then, you know, our yeah. follow. Hey, listen, when I play golf, I always go big risk. <laughs> and it usually doesn't work out because I'm not very good at golf. <laughs> but I I would be the one trying to go over that lake. Yes. Not really, because I obviously can't drive that far. But in a similar situation where I could make it, right. I'd be going for it every time. Yeah, man, win or lose, the beer's cold, That's right? right? That's right. <laughs> and uh, speaking of uh, handing out beers or or, or 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 a few, Jordan Spieth hit his uh, third ever hole-in-one on tour. At the same Invitational? At the same Invitational. Nice. Yeah. Corey Connors, he's uh, a few back now. I think he's, what, uh, second good Canadian guy. Would be nice if he actually could pull it out and win it because it would be his second win ever. Go Corey. How old is Corey? Do you know? Ballpark? Don't know. I don't know. Like, is he younger? I mean, I think he's still in his. Yeah, he's in his mid twenties, isn't he? Yeah, I wouldn't go twenties, but yeah, I think he's you know late twenties, maybe early thirties ish. Okay. But uh, you know, for him to win a second round, like a second time, that would be you know good. Is the whole field there pretty well? Like all the top end guys? Um, I don't know. Uh, wasn't really paying attention to all that. I was just looking at the. Nice little highlights and such. Well, just to see, because if, if Connors wins, potentially, right, and his second win, great. But was it against A A list guys or B list guys, right? That's a. Yeah. It's still great to win, but are you top notch or are you not? Right. I would just like to see him win it. It would be nice just to see another Canadian up there, like Mike Weir. But uh, not sure if you guys watched or or saw any highlights of this one too. Huge uh, UFC. Top cards uh, were all for titles, all all, uh, all three fights. Uh, Jan was versus uh, Israel. Uh, this one actually went the whole five rounds. Jan's ended up winning it, and they actually gave that uh, Israel uh, his very first loss in the UFC. Israel, very up and coming. He kind of reminds me of uh, the Spider Silva. I mean, he's like lanky, but he can pack a punch on his back foot or planted. This guy's just dangerous, dangerously lethal. Uh, just like Amanda Nunez, very lethal woman fighter, holds two titles. I believe the Bantam and um, Lake Featherweight, uh, but this destroys Anderson, Megan Anderson in the first round, got her into a chokeout. Um, arm was behind her head and yeah, she tapped right away. In the first round. First round. Yeah. Doesn't she usually do that though? Yeah. She's, I mean, she, she, she beats the snot out of She's beaten some, some big names. I mean, um, cyborg i mean that that's one scary scary woman um was she the one that uh 
pretty much like took uh, R- Rousey, uh, Ronda Rousey out out of like even fighting anymore. Uh, that was um, Holly Holmes is the one who took her oh, out. Oh right, right, right. And and then she beat Holly Holmes. Yeah, right? she beat Holly Holmes. I mean, yeah. she destroyed Holly Holmes in my mind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, no one, no one's ever going to touch this girl. I mean, I, I think that uh, she is the goat. Well, they said the same thing about that, Ron. That yeah, way. They, yeah, they said the same. Yeah, thing but about Ronda Ron, yeah. was the same thing. Ronda, well, Ronda just did fought the same. Where Nunez, no, she she can fight you standing. She can take you down. Where Rousey was just going to take you down and tap you, and everybody just figured her out. That's why Holmes destroyed her. That's why Nunez destroyed her. I mean. She's just the one fighter girl where she needs, you know, different strategies, which she didn't have. That's why she's in the WWE. <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to say, Kat? In case uh, you guys didn't know, there is a WWE Hall of Fame. Yeah, there is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is. And with the uh, the the light heavyweight, no, no, that was the light heavyweight was the uh, Israel and Jan. I mean, uh, Israel actually uh, gained some some weight, went up to two hundred and some odd just to fight this guy. Just didn't for didn't he have a pizza or something when he weighed in? Yes, he did. <laughs> yeah. He was showing off his pizza. Uh, <laughs> I think another one too. He was holding on a Dunkin' Donuts or box too nice. once before. That's why I ate so much pizza too for uh, wins. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, funny because mostly you like you like starve yourself for a couple of days. For the weigh-in, and then as soon as the weigh-in's over, you start packing and everything. Well, else it, it's, it's, this guy's doing the exact the opposite. opposite. He's he's fuck. He's, <laughs> he's putting more into him instead of starving yeah. himself. I mean, it would have been nice if he won, because that would have been he would again be another fighter holding two titles. Uh, Nunez holds two. It's very you know the most common thing right now in the UFC holding on to two titles. Then we had the the Sterling and the uh, the Yan fight gets into my penalty box. I just might as well start right there then. My penalty box has this uh, Peter Yan. Now, I don't know if Sterling was actually winning the the match or not, but Peter Yan decides on the fourth round to uh, drive his knee into his uh, head while he was um, on his knees. The ref even told Peter uh, Yan that uh, his knees are down, his knee's down, and he still followed in with a knee to his head. Unfortunately, uh, Sterling could not continue the match because of that uh, incident. Yan uh, ended up getting disqualified, DQ'd, and first time ever in the uh, UFC where a belt was exchanged because of its disqualification. Sterling didn't like that option. He uh, kind of took the belt off himself as leaving the ring and plopped it in the middle of it. Um, I don't think he wanted to win it that way, but it was also very upset um, that the outcome of that whole entire fight. He was sad that he couldn't continue because... He definitely wanted to. Yeah, he, he said that. He, I, I saw that too. He did not want to win that way. Yeah. He did not want to get the belt no. that way. Kind of thing. Like Do you think there would be a rematch of sorts? I, I would say so. I would hope so. Uh, I'm not saying right away. I think uh, Dana's going to have a, probably be a, a bit of a talk with this uh, Peter Yan about uh, the incident and might put him down and make his uh, way back up. So Yeah, but you know Dana White's going to like promote this like crazy saying like, the number whatever they do they do uh sterling versus yan number two kind yeah. of thing like that but they'll say like there'll be lots of stuff out there that uh the uh, because of a dq and everything like that and, oh they'll hype it for sure 
Yeah. Oh yeah, and and he's he's one of the best at promoting oh, that yeah. stuff. Yeah. So like, I think the next time will be pretty interesting. Kind of I don't think that. it would be like the next um, UFC, but I mean, I would say further down the road. Oh, Obviously, yeah. the knock they can't fight. You know, at sixty two sixty. It'd be nice to see. I mean, Sterling definitely uh, was favored to win that anyways, but great all around uh, three fights. Peter, who do you have you in your box? So I'm breaking the rules just a little bit with my penalty box. Minus one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, minus one. (laughs) So what's in my box actually happened before last episode. So that's the rule I'm breaking just a little bit, but I feel like it's worth it because it was hilarious and I didn't catch it until after. So in my box is the, the button on Kelly Rudy's suit. And the reason it's in the box is because, I don't know if you guys caught this clip or not, but I think it was on Thursday night last <laughs> week. Um, during the broadcast, Kelly Rudy had uh, his suit buttoned up with one button. And uh, you could tell that that button was just howling. It was strained for sure. <laughs> hanging on for dear life. And uh, it just couldn't come through in the clutch. That button popped right off, went flying, might have killed somebody if they were in the line of fire. (laughs) (laughs) If you haven't seen the video, you should check it out. I don't know if it was a CBC broadcast or if it was just like a YouTube video, but they slowed it right down. It's like stressing, 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 pop. Oh, it was so funny. (laughs) So to that suit... Rest in peace. And the missing button. But that's in my penalty box. Uh, let's throw to Jesse. Who's in your penalty box? My penalty box is uh, Tim Anderson for what happened on uh, Friday in the Man- uh, Seattle Manners and, and Chicago White Sox game. A triple play happened. The five, and it's a rare one, the 5 2 3 2. So that's third base, home to first back to home only five times that this has happened now i get it's preseason or spring training and everything like that but it was a dumb play by tim anderson who's a good player for for the white Sox and everything like that but he uh he was playing against a bunch of people that aren't going to be starting for the mariners (laughs) they're like all third string guys and it was pretty impressive and he challenged them and it was it was very bad but uh that's why he's in my penalty box because just it was a it was a pretty poor decision. It doesn't really affect anything right now, but it was just it was just a boneheaded move by him, I think. And he's uh, he's a bit of a goof usually to begin with and everything like that. Yeah, but uh, maybe maybe he's just trying to have fun. But it, it was a it was a dumb move. It was a bad decision for, for sure. There's there's oh, no yeah. way that even the fastest guy in the league makes that. So yeah, he's fast, he's fast but yeah, he's not the fastest. Slides. Yeah, I agree with you. It's spring training. He's probably just having a little bit of fun, seeing what he can do, you know, maybe hype up his team a little bit, you know, look what I did, you know, we got to do that, you know, more be, be aggressive on the base pads and I get it, but that might hurt his confidence. It could, yeah. So like I said, they're all like guys that are not going to be starting. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if you see him stick pretty close to third base in the regular season. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, Josh, who's in your penalty box? So this week, I've changed it up a little bit. I've gone six weeks straight chirping the NBA, but I've decided to move on from the NBA, give them a little bit of a break. And this week it's going to be the NHL, the NHLPA, Trent Frederick and Alexander Ovechkin. All four of them are in my box. All four of them for 
although it revolves around the same instance for different reasons. So if you didn't see, uh, Alex Ovechkin speared Trent Frederick right in the pills uh, on Wednesday night, and he he wasn't uh, he didn't take it easy. Let's put it that way. The if you watch the video, you can actually see his stick flex when he hits Frederick in the nuts. So it he he was giving her. What all led up to this? Frederick hit Ovi in a corner from behind. Ovi goes flying in. Probably should have been a boarding call or at least a penalty in general. Ref is watching it. He's sitting right there, makes no call. Obviously, Ovi gets pissed off. <laughs> a little while later, they're in the uh, Washington defensive zone. And Trent Frederick gives Ovi a couple cross checks. Ovi ha- does not like that at all. Decides, turns around and two hands in between the legs. Gets him right in the cup. Obviously, Frederick goes down like a ton of bricks. So that is the story. The reason that all these different people and entities are in my box, Ovechkin got fined $5,000 under the CBA. So the NHLPA is in my box because it's only $5,000. I was going to say, that's not a lot. It's chump change. (laughs) Chump change, especially to a guy like Ovi. Like, he probably wipes his ass with five Gs. Like, it's... So the NHLPA, you know, I realize that the players are a big driving force in this, but that needs to be upped because you can't, you can't be hitting guys in the fucking nuts. You just can't be doing it. So blatantly. Yeah, of course. That's why the NHLPA is is in my box because $5,000 is, is way too low of a fine. The NHL is in my penalty box. The league is not policing these games good enough. They're letting these things happen, these hits from behind that is obviously escalating to more, which culminated with this shot in the nuts. So the NHL needs to get their shit together with the referees, and they need to be calling more of these these, uh, boarding calls. And they probably should have suspended Alexander Ovechkin for this. How does he get away with this? We just saw, sure, he was a a repeat offender, but didn't we just talk about uh, off-air here that Tom Wilson got like seven games? So. For yeah, like I said, repeat offender, little kind of a shot to the head. So NHL is in there because he should have had a suspension. Frederick's in my box because Alexander Ovechkin is a living legend in this game. And although you need to get under his skin, there's certain things that you don't do. And if you saw his fight from uh, last year, I can't remember the, who he was against. He fucking pummeled him. So maybe maybe Ovechkin's not the guy you want to be going after because I think if they would have dropped the gloves. I think Ovechkin would have laid him out on the floor. Now Ovechkin was smart, not, not fighting him because you're taking a fourth liner off the ice versus a legend taking him off the ice. So it made sense that Ovi didn't want to fight him, but it sure would have been fun to see Ovi mop the floor with him. And of course, Ovi's in the box because you can't hit the guy in the nuts. It's as simple as that. You can't do it. So I got four guys or four entities in the box this week. And it was, it was quite the video. I'm sure you guys saw it. Yep. Did you enjoy like did you enjoy watching him go down a ton of bricks? Like it it's uh it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Oh well, I mean, do really all of them wear cups? Yeah. Oh, I gotta think they do, man. I gotta you think imagine they do. if you took a shot in the fucking they have to. Yeah, you'd hope they do. Frederick definitely does because he he was up yeah. fairly quickly afterwards. But if you weren't, oh geez. Oh man. No, I think you have to, man. That that puck skips so many different ways. You're crazy if you don't. You don't know shit. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, all four are in my box because I I think they need to they need to look at you know this especially from a the CBA and the and the league like no suspension and then only five G's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the five G thing is like the suspensions used 
or the fines used to be a lot more in like the early 90s and that was a big subject of of the 95 lockout as far as i understand was the fines and making it more into like suspensions and not just fines and capping the fines so i think that's sort of where that came from and you're right maybe it needs to be modernized to actually have something to do with a guy that's making whatever he's making millions of dollars a year five grand like you said is wipe your ass money yeah what i would like to see with in regards to this with the nhl and such if a player's injury is because of another player that player should not be playing until that injured player is able to come back uh, but it don't do fines don't do suspensions they, well i mean it kind of would be a suspension then wouldn't it but I just feel if you're if you're out there and then your intent was to hurt and you did, you don't play until that person comes back. That's it's tough though because like there's so many freak injuries that can happen. And I, I'm just going back to that Wilson. I mean, Wilson went in. He went in with it with a purpose. I mean, well, he's he trying to make a hit. He's you know a hockey player. like there's like Joe Thornton went out earlier this year from an innocent little hit. And there was nothing wrong with the hit. And I get that's not what you're talking about. But, you know, it's no. – he got in. It's the bad ones. It's the bad hits. It's the stupid plays from stupid people. I mean, if you're out there and you injure that person doing a stupid play, stupid hit, you should be gone for the time that person's out. But that's subjective too. So how do you, you, can't, how do you police you can't, that? You can't argue intent kind of thing like that. Well, you can, but, like, it's – you got to get a court of law going, right? And they don't have time for that shit. Yeah, you so can't like, prove intent is mm-hmm. – yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of boneheaded – moves that happened and i i personally think uh carlo got hit before that so then he went start digging for the puck and then wilson came in and smoked him he's already like being he's already being pinned against the boards already and then you come in and hit him like it's it's is a bonehead move your reasoning of keeping your head up and everything like that it's like okay he got hit already is he expecting to get smoked again when he's pinned against the boards he's he's a target right there right and wilson took advantage of it right and that i i don't think that belongs in in the NHL. Yeah, but Not at all. I think I think it's a hit that all kinds of players make all the time. It just so happens that Wilson is like fucking 250 pounds and six foot five. And so when he does it, it does some damage. Where when Johnny Gaudreau does it, not that he would, but it's a significantly different outcome. He would have to jump to hit something. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard to try and enforce that in a reasonable way. But that's the thing is everyone says it's a it's a play hard game like that's what they're they're saying well he's playing hard and it's like well well that's the thing if you if you take the the guy that made the hit out of the game because he hurt somebody else you're not going to see hitting anymore the guys aren't going to hit they're not going to play tough because they don't want to hurt the guy and then be out for five five days five games because buddy's hurt yeah right you're really relying on your opponent's health at that point to to stay healthy so. I, I don't think you can I don't think you can penalize a guy for the same amount of time as a guy is injured, you know, especially when it is a case like like you said, the Thornton case where he gets hurt on a freak play and it's just a normal hit and it's a freak injury and you know. But no, we're not talking about freak, you know. If it's a clean hit's a clean hit. If a guy gets injured on a clean hit, then so be it. Okay, you're so what about argue, you're still arguing a clean hit. No, I'm not gonna argue a clean hit. I'm arguing like a guy out there is um you know, a dirty hit. Yeah. If the guy goes out there and does a dirty hit and breaks Buddy's collarbone and he's gone for three weeks, then you know what? You're gone for three I get weeks. it. But the reason I brought up Joe Thornton, it, it, it's a bad example because it was a, a, nothing wrong with the hit. But if it was a gray area hit, if it was a little bit dirty 
and Thornton goes out for however long he was out. Maybe he goes out because he's fucking 41 years old and is, he's starting right. to slow down. Yeah. Is it fair to the player that hit him, even if it is a bit of a dirty hit, that he's got to stay out the same amount of time? I don't think so. Yeah, and what's your line that's a dirty hit and not a dirty hit? Like, look at uh, when Matthews got cross-checked a couple times in the back there yeah. at the beginning of the season, and he had to sit out. So is that a dirty hit? It I mean, probably should have been a penalty. You know, of course, they let stuff like that go, especially the cross-checks all the time. But so do they do they bench that guy now? So you're – sorry, bud, you're suspended because – especially if it's like three games later. Oh, yeah, by the way, Matthews got hurt on your play when you cross-checked him. It's I know it's three games later, but he's out for a game, so you got to sit now. Yeah. That's that's pretty tough, man. Right, and like even the Tom Wilson did, there wasn't a penalty called on the play. Like it was just, it was just a play. He got there should have been one. There should have been. Mm-hmm. There should have been on what Josh is saying, the Austin Matthews cross track too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know, so then it goes back to what I was saying in my penalty box of, and throwing the NHL in there that the refs aren't policing this game well enough. Yeah, the refing in the NHL is extremely inconsistent and often frustrating. Well, let's hope in the fuck they don't put another referee on that damn ice, man. There's going to be no room. I think you can argue that in every sport. Yeah. You can get angry at the refs all the well, time. Of course. Kinda, they, they, it's human error, and people miss things, and people see things that aren't there, kind of thing like that. So it's You should have your linesmen that be able to give out um, a penalty or stop a play instead of just the refs. It'd be interesting if they went with four refs. I mean, like, why, why can't a linesman call a penalty? You're in there. You saw it. Because the guy in the orange sleeve didn't see it, you're gonna let the game continue. And lo- yeah, on. lots of time those linesmen are are in that corner or they're they're right there where the penalty, right close to where the penalty happens or potential penalty happens. So yeah, I think you should give them the right to stop a play. Or when the play stops, you go over and tell the ref, "This is what I saw prior." I don't know, but I think you got to give. Um, if you got four refs on the ice, you give all four refs whistles to make a play or make a call. If not, then get rid of one of them again and just. Work with your one linesman and your two reps. No, I don't think that's going to happen. You should write a letter, though. Write a letter to Batman and be like, yo, give everybody a orange stripe. If I write a letter to Batman, I'll tell him to go fuck yourself, buddy. Get out of here and we'll get Quebec Nordiques back and we'll get some team out here and um, K-Dub. Better yet, so... we should do a video montage to Batman from UKev. That'd be fun. <laughs> we can get play out. it on the show. Go back to, go back to basketball. <laughs> what? Basketball? Yeah, that's where, that's where he came from. Batman used to be the basketball, and then he came. No way. I'm, I'm going to challenge you. Just I for challenge fun. 100%. I have no idea, but I'm challenging. <laughs> Let's see what we can find here. Let's see what we got here. No, not Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to get my point back. That's awesome. We'll see. It does say NBA. Son of a bitch. Batman joined the NBA in 81, survey mainly in the marketing and legal departments. Batman rose to third in command of the NBA, spending many years as the league's general counsel and senior VP. Damn it! Oh, I, I got, I get, I actually, I, I get a, I, you guys both challenged. That doesn't yeah. mean you get two points. No, 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 because oh, yeah, because Peter didn't go uh, minus two yes last week, right? So, yeah, okay, all right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I tried, I tried, I tried. But you're yeah. even. You're even now. That's awesome. Yeah. So speaking of points, Peter, you want to recap us? Yeah. So what just happened? So me and Josh lost a point and Kevin gained one. And then the only other challenge was earlier today, just with Matthews, Matthews goals leading the league. Kev thought he was just leading the North. Jesse proved him wrong. And uh, yeah, so total to for the show, Peter's minus one. Kevin ended up even. Jesse's plus one. And Josh is a minus one. 
And for the season? For the season, that would be Peter's down to a plus one, son of a bitch. Kevin is still at minus one. Jesse moves up to minus one. And Josh is down to minus three. Fuck in the basement again. <laughs> Damn it. Soul possession. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, the beer is still cold in last place, too, so that's fine. <laughs> well, boys, I thought that was a pretty good show today. What do you think? Not too shabby. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. I like it. Good. Kev, how was your moonshine? The fire water is awesome. I mean, praise them. I will always tell anybody to everybody, if you've never tried Murphy's Law, please get out there and give her a go. Speaking of that, Peter, how was your drink? It was good. It was, uh, once again, it's a Cameron's Brewing Captain's Log Lager. The Golden Lager is pretty good. It's smooth. It's not too, uh, not too hoppy. It's a nice, just nice tasting beer. Jesse, how was your drink? Uh, the Cowbell Boxing Brewing is actually one of my top five beers. I drink it a lot. And Ooh. yeah, I, I, I love it. And uh, it's good. I drive, I've i driven down to Blythe last summer. I spent over well over $100 worth. And it's you, big baller. <laughs> and for Jesse, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Usually it's cheap beer, but their, their, their beer is the tits. <laughs> Josh, how was your beer? My Hazy Town Juice Bomb IPA from Amsterdam Brewing was really good. It has a bit of a fruity taste, which we know Kevin doesn't like, but I didn't mind it at all. Although it's a strong IPA, it still seemed like it was a summer beer, which is great when we're uh, still got snow on the ground and it's still cold as hell. So I really enjoyed it. And uh, although I don't have another one, another Amsterdam brewery, that is, I'm definitely having another beer. That's pretty much par for the course, right? So anyway, for everybody here at Points and Penalties, we want to thank everyone for listening. Please give us a follow and a like on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Points Penalties. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And until next week, stay stay out out of the the penalty penalty box. box.